Welcome to House to Home Podcast. It's here that we'll learn how to cultivate an eternal haven in our temporary world. So grab a cup of coffee, do the dishes, or even take a drive in your car. Whatever it is you do while listening, I hope you feel right at home. Welcome to House to Home. I'm Bree, your host, and today we're talking about peace. My people will abide in a peaceful home, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Isaiah 32, 18. Is your home a place of peace or chaos? Think about this question for a moment. I think certain seasons can bring difficult spiritual atmospheres to our home, that's for sure. But overall, is your home a peaceful place to be? And that begs the question, what do I even mean by peaceful? Do I mean quiet and calm? all smiles and no tears, positivity and good vibes? Do I mean structure and organization? Do I mean lack of confrontation? No, I actually don't mean any of these. It's definitely assumed that a house that is peaceful has a calm and quiet atmosphere, but that might not always be the case. It definitely does not mean lack of confrontation. Actually, confrontation can bring much peace and true peacemakers will not shy away from confrontation. It might mean structure and organization, but it also might mean letting go some of your type A personality. It definitely does not mean all smiles and no tears, because tears can actually be a gateway to peace. And smiles are great, but sometimes there is a time for mourning. Um, It could be positivity (laughs) and good vibes, but also there's a realistic aspect of the fact that some things are negative, and sometimes those negative things touch our home life. But are we going to let those negative things shake our peace? I hope not. So today, guys, I'm on my own, but we're going to be talking about peace in the home, continuing our series on the fruit of the spirit. So we've talked about love. We've talked about joy. You can go back and see those. And today we're talking about peace. I value a peaceful home and I have for quite some time. Um, I actually have written quite a bit about peace in the past. I used to write about it on blogs, just sharing it on my Instagram, talking about it a lot early on in marriage. Uh, I remember a certain blog in my head, The Peaceful Mother, I think, or A Peaceful Mother. I might actually share that onto our house to homepage if I can go back and edit it. But peace has always been something that has struck me, Um, more so, I think, than joy, than patience, than self-control. For some reason, peace is something I craved more than any other fruit of the Spirit. And looking back, I think it had a lot to do with maybe my childhood and my upbringing. I've talked to my mom about this a lot, and I actually look forward. My mom's going to come onto the podcast with us and kind of share her testimony about her home life. But my mom grew up in um, a home that did not feel like home. She grew up in a house that was full of abuse, and uh, it was just, it was a little bit um, chaotic, I guess you could say. Without going too far into detail, I'll let her share that part when she comes on to our podcast. But she grew up in a home that didn't feel like home. It lacked peace. And some of that, even as she grew up and started to get married and have her own children, some of that even trickled into our lives. And at times, my home, you know, didn't have peace. I'm sure you're thinking right now, sometimes your home doesn't have peace. There are homes that are more peaceful than others. But it's just a matter of fact that sometimes our home is going to be a non-peaceful place because we are human. But as a whole, I want our listeners to be able to know that they can actually have a home that is peaceful. And so things that can really wreck the peace in a home 
are things like abuse, divorce, poor relationships, a home that doesn't serve the Lord. Um, And some of these things have touched my own life. Some of these things touched my mom's life. But my mom was always very good about trying to keep the peace in the house, at least for my sake. She always was trying to make a house a home, even though we were moving constantly or even though we were going through our own struggles and abuses ourselves. Uh, my mom, looking back, really housed peace in her own heart, and that trickled out into the home. And I know there were a lot of times now as an adult where I can look back and think my mom probably felt nothing but peaceful in that time, but she knew she had a daughter who she needed to keep the peace with, to kind of be a peacemaker for, because no one else was going to do that for me. Christ was going to do that for me, but my mom was that tangible role in my life that Christ was using to kind of house peace for me. So even if the physical house we lived in was not peaceful at the time, my mom was very good about showing that peace. I think because of that, uh, I can look back and I can say, okay, this is why I really love the home. (laughs) You know, um, my mom has always valued the home and our home life was a little wonky at times. And I have a unique testimony that again, I I hope to share a little bit when my mom shares her own, but a peaceful home is something that I've always craved and wanted. And then early on in marriage, my husband and I had that same sort of goal and vision for our house. We wanted our house to be a house of peace, that when people walked into our home, no matter what was going on in their own home, no matter what chaos was going on in the streets, when they walked into our home, there would be this overwhelming feeling, this unexplainable peace that would literally just be on them. We wanted the presence of the Lord to be upon them. And with that would come much peace. And so it's something that we have prayed about and sought after basically from the first time we got married. We started renovating a house and uh, we renovated it with the mind of we want people in our home and we want them to experience the peace of God that transcends all understanding. So we know that a peaceful home is built on the cornerstone of Christ. And I think it has the foundation of godly fear. And what I mean by that is kind of going back to some things we said before. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. He builds and we humbly co-labor in this work. So we know that scripture tells us the fear of God and his commands is the beginning of all wisdom, right? And that those who love him keep his commands. And so I think peace comes in fearing God and not worldly standards. So instead of fearing the worldly standards for our home life, we fear God's standards. So how do we know his standards? Well, obviously his word, of course, being near to him is what is going to bring our home true peace. So 1 Peter 3.11 says, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So this scripture tells us that we are to turn away from the former ways, the works of the flesh, and we seek and we pursue peace. And I think that's trying what, or that's what I was trying to get at when I was talking about kind of my mom and my testimony there is she was turning away from the former ways, the ways that she grew up, the home that she grew up in. She was turning away from that and its sinful habits, its addictions, its abuses. And she was seeking, she was pursuing peace. And that was a long road for her. <laughs> but Nonetheless, it was something that she was actively pursuing, and it's something that I want to encourage you listeners to actively pursue so that you can gain peace because um, it actually kind of takes some effort on our end. It's not some hippie, I don't care, everything's a rainbow and unicorn mentality. Um, It's a little bit more work than that. 
Warren says, if we are ever peacemakers, it is not without a good deal of war in our hearts. So peace actually costs us something. It costs us time. It costs us heartache even sometime. Um, It's easy to be fussy and easily angered. It's easy to not be self-controlled. It's actually hard sometimes to obtain peace and to be slow to anger. This is why it's a fruit of the Spirit, right? We need the Holy Spirit to help us in this work. Um, So if we have the Spirit dwelling in us, we can obtain that peace. We also need to realize that we aren't in control and that God is. This is a big one. I, I tell my kids this a lot. I tell my eldest this a lot. That, you know, you're not in control. <laughs> Are you in control? And they'll answer back, no. You know, and who is in control? God is in control. Peace does not dwell in outward things. It's going to dwell in a heart that's prepared and that is waiting trustfully and quietly on God, knowing that he has all things safely in his hands. If we trust him and we know that we are safe in him, and if we keep our mindset on things above, knowing that he's going to take care of us and whatever situations that seem far from peaceful, then we are realizing, okay, we are not in control. We are human. He is God. And with that comes a lot of peace. With that, we can kind of get our duties aligned rightly because if we have kind of this control freak mentality, which sadly we all do as humans, Um, then peace kind of gets sucked away from us really quickly. So this means a home that outwardly doesn't have peace can still actually obtain peace. For instance, if you're in the middle of a move, your home probably isn't very peaceful. I understand this. I've moved a lot in my life. Or maybe you're living in a renovation. I understand this as well. We've renovated two homes. Maybe your spouse isn't a believer. That's going to create quite the chaos in your home. Uh, Maybe your children have fallen away. What a heartbreak. Um, Peace might be hard to obtain. Maybe your home literally burnt down. We watched our next-door neighbors, actually, their house. Actually, I slept through it. (laughs) Um, My children and my husband watched that house burn. Um, It is now renovated and beautiful and probably even prettier than ours, at least on the outside. They have the most beautiful green grass, and you would never know that the house burnt. But Maybe you you had a house burn and you lost everything. Um, Gosh, you know, how do you find peace in that sort of situation? All these things are things that are outside of your control and things that would seemingly disrupt the peace in the home. But if we realize that peace comes from within, specifically from the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, then we will have peace. So we need to remember that our homes are eternal havens with God, that we have a true home. And it's an eternal haven with God. It's not this temporary home you live in, um, or maybe even the home that you lack. It's a home with Christ. So all Christians have a home. We are never homeless. And with that comes peace. It's something in our heart. It's not something in our outward circumstances. And so we have to have a gentle and quiet spirit. When we fail to have this gentle and quiet spirit, we shake the peace in our home. And this is something that is commanded of us. We are called to be meek. We are called to be quiet and gentle. Um, For example, uh, why do we get so frazzled and anxious when our children start acting out? Um, I I call our children sometimes, not in a negative way and not to them directly, but um, more so of how people tend to think about their children in certain circumstances. People tend to think of them as peace suckers. They can just suck the joy, 
suck the peace right out of the room really quickly. And all it takes is just like spilling their milk or um, drawing on the wall. You know, I, I think of parents acting like these kids are just peace suckers. You know, they just suck that peace right out of the room. But really the problem is in how we're handling the situation, right? The problem goes down to the heart, not so our kids come in, they're cute as a button, they smile, they giggle, they give us kisses and hugs, but then, you know, like a year into it, when they can start walking and getting into things, they start marking on your wall with permanent marker, <laughs> and then they start telling you no. And then they get older and they start arguing with you about why they shouldn't have to do whatever it is you're telling them to do. Um, maybe then they start even disrespecting you in front of your friends, or they're unkind to a peer or an elder or a teacher. And why do such things shake our peace? Think about it. When your kids do these things, it is really unsettling to you, right? It's unsettling to your spirit. And rightly so, um, to an extent, when sin is happening, especially when it is so directly linked to us, then we're going to be a little bit um, cautious about that. And we should be. But there's nothing more humiliating than the child that you are responsible for the child that probably even mirrors you in most ways. There's nothing more humiliating than when they start to show something messy and sinful and the world gets a glimpse of that. I think sometimes we think that with enough discipline or effort or enough lectures, then that surely they're going to get a grip, right? I tell my kids that a lot too, get a grip. (laughs) But we start to feel as if things are spiraling out of control in those moments and we start to do everything in our power just to make them right again. Like, just make the kids listen. Like, why can't you just listen? We wanted to shake them and say, you know, like, just, just say, okay, mommy, you know, just, just stop arguing with me. But despite our efforts sometimes, and maybe even despite our godly, wise and timely discipline, our kids can still turn away. They can still turn aside. They can still make a mistake. And why? Why? Because we're not in control of them. At the end of the day, they're their own person. And at the end of the day, even if we have wonderful, beautiful discipline to give them, we're human, they're human, we're not God. And so we can either choose to remember in these moments of our home life that um, we aren't in control, but God is, or we can continue to kind of strive in a prideful way, trying to keep things in our own hands. But I warn you, because if you're trying to keep these things in your own hands, it's kind of like grabbing for sand, right? The more we grab and the tighter we hold, the more it falls through the cracks of our fingers. So today, of course, I'm not talking about parenting, though I can't wait to do a parenting series for you guys. Um, but, But that's not what we're talking about today. But I use that example because we're all relational beings. We were made for relationship with God and others. And it's in these relationships most of the time that our peace is shaken. So the child passes away. The husband isn't faithful. You can't get along with others in your house. Your children are disrespectful. Your husband loaded the dishwasher wrong. Again, (laughs) peace can be swept away in an instant or um, in the largest of crises or even the smallest of sentiments. It doesn't take much sometimes to see the peace just vanish. And so the things that shake our peace are often, I guess, kind of an indicator of what we idolize or maybe an indicator of what you have a false sense of control over in your life. So I think it's good to evaluate your own home and think of what kind of makes your home lack peace. Is it, is it the example of of a child and, you know, their behavior? 
Is it dinner time? Is it sibling relationships? Is it the cleanliness or the non-cleanliness of your house? Whatever it may be, what seems to shake the peace of the others in your home even? Um, what shakes the peace of your children? It's good to take note of this. You know, is it homework? Do they seem to not have peace when they're working on their homework or a certain subject in school? Is it sharing or playing with their siblings? Is it chores? I think it's good to kind of do a mental check. Okay, what is making me feel like I have lack of peace? What is making my children have a lack of peace? Maybe even my husband. Um, Take a mental inventory or do a mental check of this so that you can shepherd the people in your home towards peace rather than shame them away from it. Because so often in those moments when the child is struggling with their reading assignment, we just want to say, get a grip rather than shepherding them towards peace. When our husband is stressed out about the bills, we want to just say, get a grip rather than shepherding him towards peace. Learning how can you pray for your husband? You know, what are the things that he's struggling with? What are the things that bring him anxiety? We all have something. Some of us are obviously more anxious than others, but there is something in our life, each and every one of us, because we're human, because we have weaknesses. There's something in our life that shakes our peace. And it's good to take note of that so that you can pray and you can uplift and you can strengthen those who are in your home. And we need to realize that peace is a gift. Jesus said, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you, but not as the world gives, right? His peace is a peace that surpasses all understanding and it guards our hearts and our minds in him. So it comes from knowing him, it comes from being close to him and feeling secure and safe in his hold. A child who feels safe and well-nurtured has perfect peace. In a few places of the Bible, God relates himself to a mother with a child or There's a place in the Bible where he relates to himself as a hen with her chicks. And it's in this place that our hearts aren't restless, but we become like that weaned child, which is what we talked about in our joy episode. So we no longer act restless and overstimulated, but rather we become content and at peace because our souls are quieted and calm within us. So we find freedom in his presence. There's fullness of joy and peace in his presence. So what exactly is peace? Um, Again, we always try to kind of give definitions to these fruit of the Spirit. But these definitions, I just want to say, they're always going to kind of fall short. I think the best way to get a grasp on a word or on a fruit of the Spirit is to just thoroughly be reading your Bible. These things will come up. So for instance, peace is mentioned, gosh, like so many times in the Bible, just go and look up all the scriptures of peace in the Bible and you'll be blown away as to how many are there. And most of them, um, affect relationships, it seems like, or, um, are affecting just kind of our state of being with the Lord. Some of them do talk about, uh, like an absence of conflict or an absence of war, things like that. But so many of them talk about like a relational aspect is that that's what kind of stood out to me. But in the Old Testament, when we're talking about peace, it primarily is talking about this like holistic approach, this wholeness, instead of talking about kind of like a lack of something like the absence of fear or um, the absence of sorrow. It's more so talking about a holistic um, kind of like having a right relationship with the Lord. It's it's covering it's covering the whole person and the way they feel people that belong to this this covenant community of God. So as a Christian, it's kind of talking about 
do you have a right relationship with the Lord and with people around you? Do you have a peaceful state, kind of like this tranquility or serenity about you? So practically, how do we seek and pursue peace in the home? I think practicals are always so helpful. And I have, let's see, five, six, no, I have seven practical ways you can pursue peace and seek peace in your home. Because again, that scripture tells us that we seek, we pursue it. And so how do we do that? It's going to have to be this active thing that we're doing. Um, So if you do take notes or if you want to take notes, this might be helpful. We have seven things that you can do. And these are obviously not exhaustive. These are just my seven things. They are not the seven things. But first, let's talk about overstimulation. That overactive child that we were talking about. Think of a kid who won't nap because you missed the time window. Or they have FOMO, fear of missing out, and they want to keep playing. And so they're refusing to rest, right? Um, We kind of act like that person. Even as adults, we get overstimulated ourselves. We need to realize that we have limits, that we can't just do all that we want to do. So physically and emotionally, we can't do it all. Um, One thing that really can overstimulate us sometimes is social media. It's not reality. It can rob our joy and our peace through comparison. It can become addictive. There's so many things I could talk about this. I just did an interview with a friend, and she mentioned a podcast on Risen Motherhood about this topic of social media. You might be interested in looking that up. I can put that in our show notes. There's so many things out there in regards to social media. All you have to do is look up research and statistics. Social media can definitely be a trap if we're not using it rightly, and it can definitely suck our peace if we're not using it rightly. So I would just encourage you to kind of examine what does social media look like in your household? Is it healthy or is it being used in a non-healthy way? And this isn't just for you. This is for your children. If you have teenagers in the home or young adults, then most likely they're probably using social media in some way, shape, or form. And um, the younger our children are when they're using social media, the harder it is for them to navigate They just don't have the maturity level a lot of times to even know what to do with social media. It's hard for adults, let alone children. So social media is definitely something to examine as far as overstimulation goes. Um, Our hobbies can even overstimulate us sometimes. Kind of take an inventory of that hobby that you have going. Is it life-giving? Is it taking priority over other things? Or is it in a healthy balance in your life? Our tasks can overstimulate us. Obviously, you listeners know how much I value a clean and organized home. But if you have become a hard manager on yourself or on others in the home, then the peace might be sucked away. So think about it. Can the dishes wait? Does that bread have to be baked? Or um, is spending time outside with the kids more important? Is laying aside cleaning for this day um, worth spending the day out with your family? Are there things that you can organize or lists or chores you can do to kind of take some load off of you and give some responsibility to others in your life or others in the home? And then relationships can even overstimulate us sometimes. So I think of the scripture, a friend of many comes to ruin. We can really overstimulate ourselves with all of these friendships. And again, kind of back to social media, we have a um, thing called Instagram, Facebook, 
Voxer, gosh, Marco Polo, anything, you know, we have all of these things. And though they can be great when we're not stewarding those well, they can become overstimulating to us because a friend of many comes to ruin. As the proverb says, we can't have everyone in the world as our friend. And with these phones that we have at our disposal all the time, it's really easy to quote unquote, have a bunch of friends. Really, they're not true friends holding us to true accountability, um, having true conversations and relationships and face-to-face interactions. Um, It's all through this technology. And um, it can really, at the end of the day, just overstimulate us. So we have to even be careful with that, not to be rude or to just push people out of our life, but to just have wisdom with it and to to hold our relationships in a healthy way, keeping the right relationships priority in our life and making sure that we're um, having forgiveness and fellowship in all relationships and every relationship in our life, not just in the home, but outside of the home as well. Are you forgiving and are you um, getting back into fellowship with those people? And that might look different than it does in the home. Obviously, if me and my husband have an argument and we apologize to one another, we extend that forgiveness to one another, the fellowship that we now enter back into is going to look different than the fellowship I entered back into with um, my cousin, you know, or the neighbor down the road. Nonetheless, are we forgiving and are we entering back into fellowship with those people? Okay, so number two. Number one was overstimulation, and then I had some points in there. Number two is revisit your domestic liturgy. So if you don't know this term, if you've not been following our podcast, I want to say it was like our very first podcast. It was on domestic liturgy. Domestic obviously pertains to the home and liturgy is defined as the work of the people. And so therefore, our definition of domestic liturgy is the premeditated rhythmic patterns Families create to bring ordinary housework and living into meaningful communal rituals of service to God. So liturgy brings rest. I've talked about this again in our domestic liturgy podcast, but every home has some sort of domestic liturgy. They have some sort of rhythm or pattern of life. It could be a little bit more chaotic than some others, but nonetheless, there are some things that you do each and every day, each and every week, each and every month each and every year that are the same. Even if your liturgy is, I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. Well, that's kind of still your liturgy. (laughs) Um, Many churches uh, in their liturgy still do the passing of peace in their service. And the RCA church on their website says this about the passing of peace, which is basically like, um, like a greeting. So some churches may not call it the passing of peace, but maybe They'll say, okay, now is a time in our service where you greet one another or something to that extent. And the RCA says, as a token of our reconciliation with one another, the congregation exchanges the peace. Even as Jesus commanded, we are not to celebrate our reconciliation with God unless in our lives we have been reconciled with one another and witness that we are members of one body. So when we are passing the peace in these church services, we're actually 
not just passing like a peace sign, <laughs> right? Um, we're passing the peace of Christ. And that's what we want to do in our home as well, realizing that we are reconciled to one another, that we are members of the same body, that we are children of God, and we're going to pass this peace to each other in our home. And so how do you do this in your home? Well, you do it by loving on your children, by saying, I love you so much. You know, I'm so happy to be your mom. I'm so happy to be your dad. Um, you know, giving your husband a kiss or a hug or goofing off with your kids, just keeping the peace in the home rather than kind of having this stuffy, did you do your homework yet? Or, you know, I told you to do the dishes or get off of that, you know, like just a constant nagging um, is like the dripping faucet, right? Or you can have a constant passing of peace. So does your domestic liturgy include this? Also, I would ask, does your domestic liturgy include the Sabbath? We also talked about this in our weekly rhythm podcast, so you can go back and look at the weekly rhythm podcast where I talk about this, but we must force ourselves to stop and to slow down. We need to pencil it in. We need to permanent marker it in maybe, Um, but if we don't take time to rest, we won't do it. It's not just going to come about. There'll always be something else to do. And we were given the Sabbath as a day holy, set apart to worship and rest in the Lord. And so it's already been set apart for us. Most of my listeners probably already go to church every Sunday and devote this day to church and to worship. And so maybe just devote it a little bit more to resting, to kind of fuel your week. Um, you rest on this day, you keep your mind on the Lord, and it's not just a physical rest, it's an emotional, it's a spiritual rest of kind of setting things aside so that you can be prepared for the rest of the week. Because again, we're human, we need this, we need rest. And God himself rested on the seventh day of creation. Okay, so that was number two, revisit your domestic liturgy. Number three is forgiveness and reconciliation in the home. And I already talked about this a little bit, But we have been reconciled to Christ, and because of this, we are to extend that forgiveness and that reconciliation to others. And the relationships in our home can be the hardest to do this because we see these people all the time. They know how to get under our skin. We know how to get under their skin. We know their weaknesses. We know their faults. Um, We know the messy of their lives. And so I think those relationships in the home can just be the hardest to kind of... um, keep healthy sometimes. Keep forgiving. Forgive 70 times 7. Keep reconciling. Keep at it. You know, it doesn't matter if you have to apologize five times in one day or seven times or 70 times 7. Keep doing it. It's worth it. It's keeping those hearts soft and it's keeping your home strong. Number four is relearn productivity. What is true productivity? It's not just doing as much as you can. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Um, Obviously, you should never shy away from your duties in the home. Uh, For a mother, this means keeping the home, nurturing the children, helping your husband, yada, yada, yada. And then all this is going to flow out into the streets, right? Like the Proverbs 31 woman. But it has to start in the home first. So within the home, we can get all flustered, I think, about what we really should be doing, um, what the vision for our family is. We kind of talked about that, I think, in our... I don't know if that was the joy episode or not, but how the husband kind of sets the vision for the family and then the wife comes along to kind of put that vision into action. Um, But we get sidetracked. We don't really know, like, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to be productive? What is it supposed to look like? But because what everyone else is doing might not be what you should be doing means that just because 
your friend on Instagram is doing this and it's a good thing, it might not be faithful for you to be doing that same thing. So we need to relearn what productivity looks like for our household and its current season. That's very important as well. Um, And we can only do this by being saturated in God through his word, through prayer, not through podcasts. Although I love doing House Strong Podcast, if you're listening to this more than you're reading a Bible, please turn me off. Not through blogs, not through social media. These things are great, but they can also be a huge, huge stumbling block if they're used wrong and without wisdom. So just remember that taking responsibility for something doesn't mean doing it. For example, I take responsibility for the education of my children but I look to curriculums for aid. Um, I take responsibility for my house's cleanliness, but that doesn't mean I can't hire and help or ask for help. Um, The list can go on here. So just remember, taking responsibility for something doesn't mean you have to necessarily do it yourself with your hands or your mind. There's so many other ways that you can give work to others or um, seek out help. Number five is decor and atmosphere. So obviously... The decorations in your home, the aesthetics of your home have a huge effect on the peace of your home. This isn't primary, but this is something that might help. You can reduce clutter. You can organize. You can have a spring cleaning. Right now is the perfect season for that. Um, My friend, actually, who is also my neighbor, contacted me and said, hey, would you like to like swap clean Um, spring cleaning days and we actually had to reschedule doing that and (laughs) hopefully we still get to it but even if we don't the idea itself is still great and maybe it'll help someone else out there basically she was going to come over to my house one like morning and afternoon while our husbands took the kids out to like a park or something and we were just going to spring clean some stuff and then the next weekend I was going to go to her house and do the same That gives you company. That gives you an extra hand. It also gets kids out of the house. Um, So, you know, get creative with it, but you can kind of declutter to make your home a little less chaotic. Um, You know, go through toys, make things easier on yourself. You know, there's been so many times in my life where I have certain toys out that for whatever reason, you know, that age and stage, they just can't handle it. So like puzzles, for instance, puzzles are up on a very, very, very high shelf that no one can get to now except Anora. Anora can get to them and that's okay because Anora knows that we don't just get all the puzzles down and throw them all across the floor, but she used to get them down and throw them all across the floor. And now Henry gets them down and throws them all across the floor. You know, um, little like connect toys or Legos, things like that. You know, there's so many toys that my kids would just get out and just pour everywhere. And it would just immediately irk me and just bring chaos to the house because they didn't want to play with them. They just wanted to dump them everywhere. So, you know, keeping toys like that up or out of the way. um, Gosh, like if your child is getting into the toilet all the time, which that is my child get a child safety lock, just make your life easier. I actually haven't done that one. (laughs) Um, So kind of giving myself advice here. I don't even know if a child safety lock would work on my toilet with the way it's made. But anyway, just, you know, do some things to make your house and your home life more convenient and more comfy. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, add more pillows, add more throws if you have the money um, or go to the Goodwill and look for cute stuff. Number six, think on heavenly and eternal things. In Philippians, Philippians 4, 6, that says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer 
and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So, if you're worried about your next task that you need to do in the home, or the next thing that's on your to-do list, rest knowing that Christ has finished the work. Give those requests to Him, like, Lord, my to-do list is overwhelming me. Bring that to Him in prayer. Give it to Him. Lay it on Him. Whatever it is that's burdening your home, lay it at His feet. And then, after you have prayed, after you have given Him your request, then think on heavenly things. Think on eternal things. Think on what is honorable, true, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent. Just last night, we had storms. And um, when storms come, children can kind of sometimes be shaken. Maybe they don't feel very peaceful in those moments. And as I was putting the girls down to bed and praying with them and laying with them, it was thundering and Honora was just talking about, um, what if I'm scared? Pray that I'm not scared. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, I pray that she won't be scared. And then I was done praying and she said, but what if I continue to be scared? Or what if I just can't stop thinking about it? And I say, well, Honora, what you need to do is you need to pray Ask the Lord to help you not to be scared, that he tells you that you can lie down in, in safety because he is with you. And then you need to think about something else. <laughs> you need to think about what are you going to do tomorrow? So I told her, I said, what do you want to do tomorrow? And she started naming off um, some games she wanted to play. And then I started talking to her about Easter. And I said, okay, so Easter's this weekend. What are some fun things we're going to do? And then we just had a short little conversation about things that didn't revolve around the storm that was thundering. And this is where relationship can come in handy. People can help you get your mind off of yourself and your own worries. So if you're struggling with anxiety, with thoughts about whatever it is that's bringing you that chaos, then get your mind on something else. Read your Bible, read a good book, throw on some music or a podcast, call up a friend, be open with them. Say, I can't get this stuff off my mind, you know. Go out. Do something with them. Invite a family over and be hospitable to them. Welcome them into your home. Um, but get your mind off of the thing that is causing the anxiety. And then rest in the finished work of Christ. That is number seven. Rest in the finished work of Christ. Rest in the fact that the Lord is the author of peace. And He gives peace that is beyond our understanding, and that he guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And it is in Christ that we have true peace. Hey guys, we hope you feel right at home here in this space. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider sharing with a friend, leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, or visiting our website where you can leave us feedback on our ideas page at www.housetohome.family. And don't forget, we have an Instagram where we value sharing free homemade resources for your family. As always, thank you, and until next time.